powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. And welcome to the program where we are the unofficial show of the Barkley Lounger. Today on the program, Dan Duckworth, my friend who is teaching leaders how to be change makers, how to be a better leader in change and transformation, and how to be the hero in your journey. That's all coming up today on Better Than Before. And later on, I'm going to talk about what you need to be thinking about regarding your online personal brand. That's all coming up today on Better Than Before, brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Because adventure still needs chasing, we gave the newly redesigned 2021 Subaru Crosstrek a more powerful engine. Plus, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. And Subaru is the most trusted brand for six years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. Love. It's what makes Subaru, Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Dan Duckworth is my guest today. He's a change maker, a teacher, and a community builder. He founded The Crucible Life. It's an online leadership community of change makers to facilitate his mission to make deep change accessible to the masses and not just to the high-level executives. Dan has led companies, executive-level transformation initiatives, um, such as um, a CEO, a consultant, a coach, a teacher, and an entrepreneur. His current mission is to find, liberate, unite, inspire, and unleash the change makers across every industry and sector, regardless of job function or authority level. He's doing this through his company, The Crucible Life. I absolutely love this mission. The workshops at The Crucible Life are high-intensity, community-based experiences that guide participants into the fire of leadership transformation. From beginning to end, the participants are a band of brothers and sisters who are climbing the mountain of leadership, achievement, and transformation together. And uh, just reading that, I want to participate, Dan. <laughs> that, that's, that's fabulous. Welcome to uh, my program, Better Than Before. I'm happy to be here, Tony. So glad to have you, and I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, I 
I look at not only companies uh, in our economy today, but also in just our nation as a whole. And it's, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, but it just seems like things are moving at such a rapid pace that we barely have time to process everything that's going on, uh, let alone participate in change. And that happens inside organizations as well. So give me a little uh, thumbnail sketch of your thought process as far as leadership transformation. What is it? How do you do it? Um, what's it look like when it's manifested? Those kinds of things. When you're setting out to change leadership, whether you're you know working on it yourself, self-change, or you're a leadership consultant, or you're a manager, executive working to to transform your leadership performance in your company, you really start with a fundamental question. And most people don't recognize that they're, they're answering this question, but they do. And the question is, what do I believe about leadership? What is it? What goes into making it successful? And therefore, how is it changed? And there's a couple of different answers. I think a lot of people in the leadership industry tend to move towards leadership as a reflection of the skills that you have, or of the knowledge that you have. And if that's what your fundamental belief is, then naturally you move next to, we need to practice skills or we need to transfer knowledge. Mm -hmm. And when I was leading change inside organizations, I was doing it without skills and without knowledge. And yet I was finding myself repeatedly working as a peon, as a 25-year-old, 28-year-old, 33-year-old nobody in an organization, somehow ending up partnering with the chief executives of these organizations to lead major transformation initiatives that they desperately wanted, but which they didn't know how to lead. And so I found myself coaching these people. And then when I got into the leadership industry and was teaching other people, I found that what they lacked more than anything wasn't skills and knowledge. They lacked the ideas mm -hmm. and they lacked the courage. And in fact, as I started to share some of my stories of leading transformation, I noticed that people would come up to me during breaks and afterwards, or they'd reach out to me by email and they would say, how did you do that? Where'd you get the ideas? Where did you get the courage? And so I started my own research path and discovered that there's a rich line of research that talks, you know, we might broadly encompass it as transformational leadership, but what they talk about is that leadership is primarily a reflection of your character, not your skills or your knowledge, but your character. And so that's what we started to focus on was how do you transform people's character so that you can transform their leadership performance and they can then transform the situations that they're in, whether it's at work or at home or at church or at school or in the society, whatever it is, right? So we focus exclusively on character transformation, not that skills and knowledge aren't important, but we focus on that lever because we feel like that has a huge impact on your success as a leader. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you to talk through that, because one of the things that I think is so difficult for people to get about this is everybody has their own definition and everyone has their own thought about what leadership is and what change is and what transformation is. So I love the way that you summed it up there and started working, you started working on your own program and your own definitions and, you know, you're getting that installed in people. Here, here's another one that I know that you use that I wanted to ask you to talk through is, but how do you define a change maker? 
That, that's a great question. I'll tell you right now, I'm on a multi-year journey of learning how to define what a change maker is. Let me first give you- <laughs> Just tell me what you got so far. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you an analogy because I, I feel like society uh, reflects, I mean, uh, let me say it this way. I feel like all the great movies reflect the way society really works. Right. So if you look at a great multi-decade series like Star Wars, okay, there's constant- efforts to lead change and to develop people and develop communities in that storyline. But there is this group of people called the Jedis, and they have a special mission. And they're not necessarily the most powerful in terms of hierarchical status or power or prestige or anything like that. But they're the people who are embedded within the society who see things that other people can't see. And they're the people who are working to master the force. And so in our leadership community, we talk about we are here to master the hidden forces that shape leadership organizations and change. The change makers are the people who feel a call to lead. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if you're the janitor. If you feel something stirring inside of you that says, I am supposed to lead change because the people I love and the communities I care about need me to lead change. And what we tend to do is we feel that call and then we say, oh, but I haven't been given the authority. Mm -hmm. It's not my turn. It's not my time. I have to stay in my lane. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what we do is we say, let us find the change makers. Let us bring them in and let us disabuse them of those false beliefs that it's not their time or it's not their turn. Because if you are feeling the call to lead, it is absolutely the right time to do it. And so let's empower you to do it. That goes back to what I was just, just saying. And that, that was a wonderful summation. And I, I, I love what you shared with us there, but you used a phrase that I find very limiting. And a lot of times it's self-limiting, but a couple of years ago, it became very popular to say, stay in your lane. And so that immediately gets my attention. My antenna goes up and I think, okay, who defines your lane? Who tells you what your lane is? How do you define it? It just sounds very self-limiting to me uh, when people say that. We were, we're in the process of working on new verbiage for our website, and uh, we're talking about the name of our company is Clear Vision Development. And uh, because we feel that if you're at the top of a company, you're running a company, one of the most important things you need to have is clear vision, right? And so the, one of the copywriters had put the line out there that, uh, have you lost focus? And uh, so they are presenting it to me. And I said, I don't know that I've ever been approached by a prospect who's ever said, I think I've lost focus and I need help. However, almost all the time, what I hear is, I think that I'm stuck, and I really need to find a way to get unstuck or our organization is stuck or things aren't working like they did before. I need help trying to figure out why this isn't working. And so I know you talk a lot about being uh, stuck and how to get unstuck. So I want you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating to hear you say that because what I have observed is that in my own life, but also with the people that I work with, is it's actually pretty normal to be stuck. Mm -hmm. it's it, it is a natural progressive moment in the life cycle of a person and a company. Exactly. And actually the hidden forces 
there are many hidden forces that lead you to become stuck, right? So this isn't just an accident, but I'll just name one of them, the one we're most familiar with, which is culture. Culture by definition creates patterns and norms and consistency. So it's easy to conform to culture because it's not only begging you to conform and sometimes it's compelling you to conform. And so then you get stuck, but the feeling of being stuck is actually a feeling of that call of the change maker that I just talked about, because you're saying I'm locked into a belief, into a mindset, into a pattern, into a rut, but I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. So that creates that cognitive dissonance, that tension that says I'm stuck because I'm doing something I don't want to be doing. Okay. So to, to stay with that language of stay in your lane, right? Well, who defined this lane to begin with? <laughs> yes, exactly. It was the culture. Yeah. And we might broadly, or we might, we might apply labels like it was your boss or it was your mom, or it was your, your spouse or your friend or whatever, right. That told you this was your lane, but it's really all about meeting the expectations of others. And I love how the way Ronald Heifus at Harvard says this, he says, management is about meeting expectations that others have set for you. Leadership is about violating those expectations. Mm. So if you want to answer the call to lead, first and foremost, you have to step out of your lane. You have to break the norms of what's expected of you. And we call this in our field, we call it positive deviance. Mm. Right? It's deviating from the norms. It's deviating from the expectations with a positive intent. Now, the reason why people don't do that is because the act of positive deviance looks an awful lot like the act of negative deviance at the beginning. In other words, there's risk involved. I'm going to do something different, do something unexpected, and I don't actually know that it's going to produce positive results. It's just a guess. It's just a hypothesis. This might actually produce negative results. And so we fear the consequences, and that compounds this feeling of culture that keeps us in our lane. It keeps us stuck. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I often have, uh, since I coach CEOs and their teams, it's usually somebody else with a C in the title. Uh, but even at that level, and a lot of people might not believe this if they weren't exposed to it, but even at that level, I will get input from them about, you know, I was thinking about launching this initiative or doing this, but I just don't know. We've never done that before. And I just, I'm not sure if I should do it or not. Right. So how do you encourage people to lead change? Well, that's where it comes back to character change. So we have what we talk about, the three keys of leadership transformation, which was taken from uh, the research field of authentic leadership development, Bruce Avolio, University of Washington. But when I was uh, examining my life and the things that were happening in the lives of people that I was leading through uh, deep change, character change, which led to leadership performance change, I started to ask myself, what's really going on here? And in the research, Dr. Avolio talks about three things that happen during a crisis, because he says character changes most frequently during a crisis. And when you get into the crisis mode, if you shift towards adaptive self-reflection, which is I can do this, I'm broken, the situation's broken, but I can learn, I can overcome, I can, I can change mm-hmm. versus maladaptive, which is, oh my goodness, I'm in a failure state. I'm awful. I'm terrible. My mom is right. I'll never amount to anything. Okay. So if you're so, adaptive, so what was the negative one called again? 
maladaptive. Oh, okay, maladaptive. All right. Maladaptive. So you got to shift towards adaptive. So this is a key point for us in our community. Yeah. Is we want to help you have that trigger event where you say, "Oh my gosh, I'm stuck," right? But then you have to shift towards, "I can improve. I can get better. I can grow." Then when you're in that state, there's three related mindsets that the research shows happen. Number one, we call focused learning. And focused learning isn't about learning for knowledge. It's not learning principles and frameworks. It's about learning about yourself, mm -hmm. about the situation, about the way things really work, about the hidden forces that are at work. Focused learning. Number two is deliberate experimentation. Oh, so these behaviors that I was engaging in, staying in my lane, isn't getting me the results that I want. So I'm going to start to deliberately experiment with new provocative behavior not knowing what the results will be. So it's this hyper-focus on doing something different. The third interrelated mindset is deep reflection. So I'm having new experiences and how I think about them, in other words, how I narrate my experiences will make a huge difference to how I perform in like situations going forward, okay? So it's those three keys of leadership transformation. We have to get you to turn all three of those keys, focused learning, deliberate experimentation, and disciplined, or sorry, deep reflection, we have to get you to turn all three of those for long enough for personal character transformation and organizational transformation to take hold. You turn off any one of those three keys, the transformation engine dies. Mm. And are there mindsets connected to the maladaptive side also? I'm sure there are. Um, I'm not as familiar with them, but I mean, you can think about maladaptive reflection being the fixed mindset is the one that the yeah. most often comes to me, right? Like I'm proving, I have to prove myself and oh no, this failure state means that I just proved that I'm not what I thought I was going to be. Gotcha. And, and I'm sure I, I could anticipate the answer, but I'm going to ask you this. Um, how, how often does someone go from maladaptive to adaptive without a coach or without help? So that's a great question because crisis, when you leave it to crisis, so if you're stuck, right? If you're mm -hmm. stuck in a situation mm -hmm. and you do nothing, eventually the tensions will rise to the surface and they will push you into what we call the crucible. Okay? They'll push you into the refiner's fire, but now you're flailing. Okay. And you might make it through that crisis you might turn to adaptive reflection, you might turn the three keys and you might emerge, right? But most often we emerge through crisis, even when we accomplish the goal, right? We fix the organization or we, we fix never, the relationship. We never switched, is. right? Yeah. But now we have all this collateral damage because it was such a terrible experience, mm -hmm. right? That's even if we shift towards the adaptive. So what we find is that the thing that matters the most through this entire journey is to be surrounded by the right friends and mentors. So we like to talk a lot about the hero's journey, which is the pattern that Joseph Campbell identified in great mythic literature. Star right? Wars mentioned earlier is a great example, right? It is. You name it, right? So when you look at that pattern, why does that pattern persist? Because it's a true pattern. It mimics the way great change happens, the way heroes emerge and accomplish transformation in real life. And what's okay. interesting to me, Dan, sorry to cut you off, but I've thought a lot about this. It doesn't matter if it's Star Wars or if it's Lord of the Rings or whatever example you want to name, regardless. I mean, at somewhere in that hero's journey, you recognize you're the hero, right? Yes. Um, 
and and it's probably later in the story but at some point you have to realize that your story is playing out and the only one that can be the driver of that is you um, that's right where where does that happen a lot in your experience and uh is that recognized by the person or do they have help in that too again so so that that epiphany that you're talking about right there is right. one of the primary things that we work on with the people who join our community Wonderful. is you are the hero of your story and the sooner you recognize it the sooner you can take charge of your story now it's not a story that's just happening it's a story that you're creating. Hmm. And so we talk a lot about moments of truth. Those are moments of choice where all of a sudden you see yourself as you really are. You see the situation as it really is. And you have a choice to make. Usually you deny that choice and you stay in your lane because the culture and other forces are, are compelling you to stay in your lane. But when you see that that's actually a moment of choice, now you're empowered to do something different. And even if you don't make quote unquote, the right choice or a different choice, the fact that you saw it is a huge empowering step, right? Right. And so getting you to see that and accept that and understand that you're the hero of your journey and you're making choices that ultimately will lead you to a climax of great achievement. But also, by the way, it isn't about the achievement. It's not about the organizational change. It's not about the revenue or the product or the innovation. That's not what's really motivating you. What's really motivating you is you want to become the kind of person who is worthy to hold that trophy. Yes. See, right now, you know, you're not worthy to hold the trophy. This goal that I have, I can't accomplish it because of who I am. And so that's a, that's a very harrowing realization to, to, to come to, but it's also the most motivating because now I can go on a journey of personal transformation and I can become the kind of person that can stand at the end of the day and say, I won this trophy. And by the way, I didn't win it for me. Yeah. I won it for the people I love and the communities I care about. Yeah, for, for other movie fans who, who might be listening today, I would also cite the movie Gladiator um, where uh, Russell Crowe gives the speech that just makes your hair stand on end where he says, I'm Maximus Aurelius, whatever, and he gives his whole name. And he says, I was a general in the Roman army. I am husband to a dead wife. I'm father to a dead son. And, I'm, and he gives that whole speech as the moment he recognizes, hey, this is all on me. This is my my deal, I'm going to survive this uh, gladiator fight or I'm not, but it's going to be up to me whether I do or not. Let me take you back to the original question about what is leadership. Yeah. Um, if I were to ask somebody, I say, hey, what, what, what makes an archer a great archer? You know, well, they say, well, they got to have the tools. They got to have a bow and arrow. Okay. Well, leaders got to have tools. They have traits that they were born with, et cetera. They say, oh, they got to know how to use the bow and arrow, which is the skills. Okay. Or, or the knowledge rather, then they've got to have great practice and, and precision and marksmanship. That's the skills that they've developed. So you can see that becoming a great archer, you gotta have tools, you gotta have skills, you gotta have knowledge. But if what I really meant was I'm looking for a Katniss Everdeen, I'm looking for someone who can go into complete uncertainty, keep her cool, sacrifice for the common good, pull off amazing feats, grow in the process, having no clue what she's going to do or what she's going to accomplish, but willing to sacrifice her life at every turn so that she can bring about the best and highest good for the people she loves and the community she cares about. Whoa, 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 whoa. She might still need a bow and arrow and a little bit of knowledge and skills, but like we're talking about a whole different level here, right? We're talking about the character of a hero. Hmm. 
Hmm. And so that's, I love the hero's journey pattern because that's what we're working on at the crucible life is developing everyday leaders to develop the character of a hero. Hmm. Cause that's what leaders are true. You know, the, the, the leaders that we celebrate, they're, they're leaders that jump into fires. They're leaders that, you know, walk off cliffs. They're leaders that do things that nobody else is willing to do. That's positively deviant. I love this conversation. I got so many questions, but I know we've, we've got limited time here together, but I, I would just ask you this. I, I get in the, I'm, I'm the person, right? I'm the hero. I get in this story. I recognize I'm in a story and I recognize it's my story. Um, what do I, how do I, and I recognize the keys I need to shift, mm-hmm. um, adaptive, uh, transformation. And I recognize all that. What, what am I trying to visualize? How do I write my story or how do I lay out the vision for what it is? I want the story to how this, I want the story to play out. This is a great question because you never really know when you're leading deep change. Okay. One of my mentors, professor Bob Quinn from the university of Michigan, he says, this is the, the analogy that he gives is this is building the bridge as you walk on it. Mm, that is great. And what you know is that you need to cross the divide. You need to go through the land of uncertainty as we would talk about in the hero's journey, but you don't really know. Okay. So what happens is after you accomplish the feat, whether it's a personal journey or a collective organizational journey, you accomplish the feat, you win the trophy. And then somebody says, well, how did that happen? And you look back and you say, well, this is what we did. We did step one, two, three, four, five. It was easy. And then everybody looks at it and goes, no, it didn't happen that way. Because it wasn't until we did step one that step two was even a possibility. And until we did step two that we could even think about step three, right? So when you're leading deep change and deep transformation, which is what the change makers do, it's about stepping into the dark, stepping into the unknown. And so the two vague visions that fuel you is this idea that there is a beautiful community that we can create. And this idea that you need to become something that you can celebrate in terms of your own personal mission and vision and values. And when those things drive you, all of a sudden you do things, you see things that you wouldn't otherwise see. Mm -hmm. So go back to Lord of the Rings, right? Frodo, just a everyday hobbit, right? suddenly life hands him a ring, right? And now all of a sudden he has this sense of like, I need to accomplish something with this ring. But as he goes through his journeys, he learns more and more about what the ring really is, what's really going on in society, but also what he really is and how he really needs to change in order to accomplish this mission that has now suddenly found him. And with a lot of obstacles. uh, And back to your question earlier, how do you succeed Do you have a coach? Do you have a mentor? My favorite line about Lord of the Rings is it was Frodo's job to carry the ring, but it was Sam's job to carry Frodo. That's awesome. You have to surround yourself with the right people. You got to have the right conversations in the right mindset with your friends and your mentors, because you will turn back. Nobody ever walks the hero's journey alone. You it. will turn back unless you are surrounded by people who can carry you. So he has Sam as a, a close friend, and then he had the mentor, um, Ga- Gandalf? Gandalf. Yeah. Yep, the wizard. Yeah. And he has this ultimate enemy with a bunch of um, obstacles that 
he doesn't know is coming, but he has to handle each one at a time, right? And right. He, it's interesting. It's adaptive transformation because that's exactly what he had to do. He had to adapt as the problems came. And uh, such a great example. Um, it, it goes back to those, the, the thought that there's really only six or seven stories and everything else is an offshoot on that. And the hero's journey is, is one of those seven. And uh, I think if you ask most people, those turn out to be their, I don't know, something on a subconscious level. Uh, we love the hero journey. Well, and, and the people who are listening to this, you know, I don't want you to step back and think, well, I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those people. I wasn't chosen. You are in I, your story, right? Exactly. And that's the thing is you don't become the hero of your story until you start to move until you, until you start to step outside of what is normal for you. That's how you become the hero of your story. It's not that, you know, there's some great force in the universe that just picks you and taps you on the head, right? That's my favorite theme in the Lego movie. If you remember that, yeah. you know, you're the special, it's the prophecy. No, actually anybody who's ready to step up is the special. And so that's what a lot of the work that we're doing is just getting you to the point where you're ready to step up and own your story. I've often thought that, you know, just people, they try to figure out what's my calling in life and what am I supposed to be doing? And I can just think of and cite so many instances where the things that really bothered someone or ticked them off were things that they were actually supposed to participate in, do something about, right? I mean, Steve Jobs was ticked off because he couldn't have all these songs on his uh, Walkman or whatever. So he brought the iPod into existence, a thousand songs in your pocket, right? I mean, yep. so uh, the Netflix guy uh, didn't like the fact that Blockbuster was going to charge him all these late fees. So he created this company based where late fees didn't matter. Um, I just so many things where you're like, oh, that's really frustrating or that's really a problem or that really bothers me might be a signal just giving you in the audience something to think about might be a signal. And Dan mentioned this earlier that you are part of the solution to that. I love it. I, I teach people to hyper focus on the situation, okay? the problematic situation. You're not getting the results that you want. Mm -hmm. hyper-focus on that situation and exactly what you're talking about will happen. We call it the epiphany. Okay. You'll have the epiphany and you'll begin to see the situation as it really is and how you're contributing to the situation. When you focus too much on grand dreams and grand visions, uh, of, 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 you know, callings and purpose and nobility, you lose track of the immediate need to lead. Well, it's going to be difficult to find. Uh, it's going to be just too big and too fuzzy, right? So uh, we're visiting with Dan Duckworth. This has been a fabulous conversation. I'm sure you've all in, enjoyed it as well. We're going to tell you how you can find out more about Dan and uh, give out uh, ways that uh, you can uh, learn more about him, maybe participate in some things that he's doing at, at the Crucible Life. Uh, so just hang on for that in just a couple minutes. I'm going to run Dan through these closing questions we ask every guest that comes on the show. Are you ready for these? Oh, I'm ready. Let's roll. All right. Number one, what's the best memory that comes to mind immediately for you? Um, Florida with my kids. We were uh, poor graduates, college students. I had a uh, friend reached out and say, we need to take a spring break to Florida with our young families. And I said, I, I don't have any money. 
And he said, it'd be $400 each. I've negotiated down, which for a beachfront property in Florida, I now know is ridiculous. He was a great negotiator to get a, a rental for 800 bucks a week. Hmm. And I said, sorry, I can't do it. He called me back a week later. And he said, you don't understand. You need to go to Florida with your family. I'll pay 500, you pay 300. We scraped it together. We drove 20 hours down to Clearwater or no, we were on Daytona beach side that time. And it was so transformative for our family that when we lived in Michigan for 10 years, I think maybe seven out of 10 years, we went down to Florida. We're headed back in two weeks, just even for the memories uh, that it's created for our family. That's awesome. Who's the number one hero in your life? Speaking of heroes. You know, I would say uh, one of the, the greatest heroes that I admire is my wife, Jolene. Oh, cool. Um, Jolene has been uh, a change maker in so many ways and watching her grow and develop and watching her journey, her hero's journey over the years. Um, I'll just give you one example. Um, she, there was a problematic situation that she didn't like the kids weren't developing the way that she wanted them to. And she came to me and she said, I've never had this thought before, but I think I should homeschool the kids. Mm -hmm. And I was like, are you sure that sounds like a lot of work? Are you ready to take that on? And I watched her as she embraced that journey. It wasn't a forever journey for her and for our family, but things changed in the lives of our kids during those two or three years that are a direct result of the work that she did with them. And they are different people because she was willing to go on that journey. That's just one example. What's the top value you subscribe to? You know, I have a, a different uh, take on values. So that's kind of a complicated question for me. Um, values are something that you find valuable, hmm. right? You, you ascribe worth to them through your personal narrative. And I will say that uh, one that I want to just highlight today is loyalty. And I'm learning this as I get older. Like I believe in being loyal to the people around me. And loyalty is, is a value that I think when you get in the refiner's fire, when you get into the land of uncertainty, you, you got to know who you can trust, but you also want to know that you are someone that can be trusted. And to me, that's loyalty. Who's the most important person in your life? Uh, hands down. It's my savior, Jesus Christ. Love it. Mine too. Uh, I turn to him every day. Yeah. What's your favorite thing? My favorite thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow that down and say, what's my favorite food? I love gourmet macaroni and cheese. I love to, to order it at restaurants and critique it. I love to make it at home, especially with my 12-year-old daughter who loves to make it with me. Great. That takes out two. So what's the be most beautiful place you've ever visited? I really love the island of Taiwan. Hmm. Uh, I served there as a missionary for my church. I've uh, been back twice now, once with Jolene, once with the entire family. Uh, when I was a missionary, we spent all of our time in the concrete jungle of Taiwan. It's all roads and skyscrapers. And then when we went back as a family a couple of years ago, we traveled to the southern end and to the eastern side of Taiwan and just realized there's a reason why the Portuguese who first landed there as colonists, um, they chose the name the Beautiful Island because oh, wow. it is a beautiful island. Cool. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Character. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as somebody who gave everything he had to the people he loved and the communities he cared about. If you could go back and give advice to a young Dan, what would the advice be? Don't change anything. Just keep <laughs> going. Uh, what's your favorite sound? 
Well, right now, my favorite sound is listening to my kids jump up off the couch and celebrate when the University of Michigan wins in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And last one, what's the best lesson you've learned out of all the lessons? Life is about changing. Life is about growing. Life is about becoming. Life is about getting unstuck. Wonderful. Dan, t tell everybody a little bit how to find out more about the crucible life. Yeah, we are recruiting change makers or people who want to become change makers to join our community. Uh, we have two communities, a free community that you can join at cruciblelife.com. And also at cruciblelife.com, you can find our premier community, which is called the change makers masterclass. And that is the community for the Jedi's for the master builders for the people who are learning to master the hidden forces that shape leadership organizations and change. And so if that resonates with you, if you're feeling the call to get unstuck, feeling the call to do more and to become more, you should come check us out at cruciblelife.com. That's great. Listen, thanks for being on today. I really appreciate it. I thought the conversation was wonderful and uh, perhaps you can make some time to come back sometime. Tony, I think you and I are soulmates with a lot of what you've been talking about today. So thanks for having me. I would agree. Dan Duckworth, everybody. I will have a leadership lesson for you coming up next on Better Than Before. Because adventure still needs chasing, we gave the newly redesigned 2021 Subaru Crosstrek a more powerful engine. Plus, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. And Subaru is the most trusted brand for six years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. Love. It's what makes Subaru, Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and today I want to talk about four keys to an online personal brand. When we talk about brands, we're used to thinking about them in terms of companies or products such as McDonald's or the iPhone. But nowadays, anything can be an effective brand if it's set up and developed correctly. Yes, you as an individual has a personal brand. Whether you're known as an early adopter of the latest technologies or changes or as someone who is dragged into making changes, it's part of your personal brand. This idea makes some people a little uncomfortable, but if you don't think it through and take control of your personal brand, especially in the online world, then not only are you missing out on opportunities, but you're also allowing others to control the narrative of your own story and brand. Just as in branding a company, product, or a service, it takes time and energy to devote to brand development properly. 
And today, what I'm talking about is in no way all-inclusive, but rather just a thumbnail sketch of things to consider when you're contemplating your personal brand. You may be a self-employed service provider, such as a real estate agent or a home inspector, or you may be a high-level corporate executive, or you may be someone who's a hairstylist uh, uh, that works in a hairstylist shop that you don't own or something like that. But either way, someone is seeing you online and what they find can have an impact on your success going forward. In the past, I've conducted some sessions for graduates of the University of Missouri here in Columbia prior to campus career days where organizational recruiters come to screen and interview potential candidates for jobs. And one of the first things I always tell them is, don't lose a great entry opportunity over something you can control, such as your personal brand. So in other words, if you're online, uh, Facebook or LinkedIn, not so much on LinkedIn, but on Facebook or Instagram, if your personal profile picture is you eating a watermelon filled with vodka, that may not be the exact impression that you want to send. And yes, companies do check all of those things, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, everything they check those things out in advance, and you can control what they find. You just may not be thinking about it. You as an independent contractor, business owner, or executive do not want to lose out on any possible opportunity because of perceptions around your personal brand. Don't be fooled into thinking your personal social media pages do not have anything to do with anyone who might do business with you. Believe me, everything counts and nothing is private or personal anymore. So if you have it out there, you have to assume accountability for it and that somebody's going to see it. Here's the first key is your story. Used to be Facebook called it your wall. You know, I'm going to put something on your wall or I'm going to post something on my wall. No, they've replaced it with your story, right? So you have to assume that everything you put out on social media is part of your story. It all tells a narrative about who you are, what you believe, what you stand for, how you got to where you are. I know you may think it's just fun pictures, but remember, everything counts, and your journey is unique to you, which we talked about with Dan Duckworth today, which draws more interest from people than you may imagine. In all things posting-wise, be you and be authentic, but don't be silly enough to think, that people are not looking at that through the lens of perception and perhaps business. If you don't care, don't listen to me anymore. This won't apply to you anyway. Key number two, your package. Be consistent about how you present yourself across various channels and outlets. Different channels are for different types of posts. For example, what you post on Facebook may be different from LinkedIn and different from Instagram and different from Twitter. However, the overall tone and makeup of your post should be fairly consistent and uniform, and it's telling people what to expect from you. Your profile picture is equivalent to your personal logo. Keep it consistent across all your channels. Key number three, your expertise. Just because you have something to market and sell to people doesn't mean you have to be salesy. You can post offers. Just post 10 posts of value to every one post of offers. You know what I mean? If you're trying to get somebody to buy something, you post that, then post nine other things that people would find interesting or of value, then you can post another offer. 
If you provide value through your expertise to people, they won't mind if you offer something occasionally. And if you post 20 value tips on what to look for when shopping for a house, then they won't mind you posting a listing. If you reverse that formula, if you're going to get, you know, you're going to get ignored. You're going to get muted. You're going to get blocked or maybe even dropped. Key number four, your connections. It's connected to the previous key I just gave you, but treat your network of connections like gold. If you build value in people being connected to you, then they will recommend you to others for connection. If you annoy them with political rants or crazy photos or too many sales-driven postings, they're going to avoid you like the plague and probably advise others to do the same. So these are four things you really need to take into consideration as far as enhancing or perhaps damaging your online personal brand. That's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. I'm Tony Richards. I'll see you again for another episode of Better Than Before next week. And don't you dare forget, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.